0: What's up, Benfica Nation? Welcome to Mr. Benfica, episode 49. And I am your host, the Mr. Mike Agustinio, here with you for another week of Mr. Benfica. Another week, another win, but this one was a bit bigger than the rest, wasn't it? That's right. Befica go in to Alvalade, to Stadio José Alvalade, Alvalishu, as I call it, and beat our rival Sporting. 2-0 on the road in a hostile, hostile environment. Our players rose to the occasion. Our manager rose to the occasion, in my opinion. I'll explain why in this episode. And up north, we got a little help from the Guerreiros do Minho. That's right. Braga goes into the Stadio do Ladrão and beats... Football Club dos Parcos, 2-1. And Benfica now sitting 7 points clear atop of the league. That's right, 7 points ahead of hashtag Porto Alcalu. That's right. What a week it was for Benfica, And we continued it through the weekend. In case you weren't um, aware, we continued to beat Spartan throughout the next couple days. We beat them in U23s. We beat them in Juvenis. We beat them in... In volleyball, in straight sets, we probably beat them in chess if we played them in chess, water polo, you name it. We just continue to beat that team. And these are good times for us here at Benfica and hard times for our neighbors on the other side of Lisbon. That's right. Or on the other side of the Skundsirklad, we should say. Hard times for the ones in green. But you know what? It couldn't happen to nicer people. Yeah, you're not going to get any pity from me. Do you hear these these commentators talk? Uh, I'm going to mention this guy's name and he may come up in the rest of the episode. Jaime Moron Ferreira. What a fool! Anyone who listens to the uh, the Grunge Adept podcast or watches CMTV has heard this fool talk before. And this guy thinks that Benfica should have finished with nine men. Essentially, he he found he found uh, causes and reasons for <laughs> for sending off Benfica uh, players in this match. He still found that Hugo Miguel hurt. Sporting somehow absolutely delusional talk about that is a delusional fan base over there they're rioting they want uh they want the resignation of the president that they they elected what a year ago with 71% of the vote and now they want a resignation they don't they're they're an they are they think they're a giant club and they're a small club They are run by amateurs. They have an amateuristic mentality. They think they're better than everybody else. They invent titles. Come on. They haven't won in so long that now they've gone to 1930 and 1934 and claim to be champions. In years, they were not champions just to put more banners around the stadium. I mean, that is a fan base and a club that is in utter chaos chaos and in utter crisis and let me tell you something the mister is loving every minute of it that's what they get that's what they get they talk and they and their hate is so strong and you know what vos odio nos dai força your hate your hate guides us your hate uh gives us strength as we continue to to grow and as Befica continue to become more and more dominant in portugal They continue to get smaller. The only thing they've celebrated in the last 18 years are Porto championships. And what a display by their fans. And then to issue a a comunicado afterwards, they just ran their team's fine bill up through the roof. um, Throwing smoke. Black smoke trying to choke out choke out their players, choke out their own fellow fans in the general admission, choking out women and kids and everything else, and, and, and the elderly that are at the stadium. Absolute disgrace to Portuguese football is what that club is. Absolute disgrace to sports, and when we get to the news, you'll just hear about some more of the results that, uh, we've <laughs> that we won over them. That's right. Um, this is going to be a, a loaded episode, as you know. I know it's been about a week since I have put in Anything out last week was a little bit of a vacation. I put out some extra episodes. I still owe you a few. uh, I owe you at least one more episode. I think I'm gonna put together a women's uh, a women's league cup slash futsal league cup final episode. Hopefully this weekend, where I can review those two matches. Also against Sporting. No, no coincidence there. but we're gonna get right into it after the new, after the, uh, after the ad here. We're gonna play Reconquista, and we'll get right into the news. And then after that, we're breaking down Sporting Benfica, the Derby. All right, so stay right there because I am the Mr. Mike Agustin. This is Mr. Benfica. Follow me on Twitter, of course, at Benfica Mister, on Instagram, at Mr. Benfica, on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica, and now at the new mrbenfica.com that's right go to mrbenfica.com I'm gonna to try to get a blog post up before the match this coming Sunday against Passos de Ferreira but don't move a muscle alright we will be right back with the news
1: passo duro Temos muita história mas ainda <repaying> mais futuro <for you>
2: O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica, Carrega Benfica, carrega Benfica Ouve a nossa voz O querer de todos nós A fé que não se explica.
0: And in the news uh, this week, Benfica Nation, it's kind of old news now, but it is news. Jetson Fernandes has joined Tottenham Hotspur. That's right. He's joined Spurs on an 18-month loan with an option to buy from Benfica. Already two appearances for Jose Mourinho's side. Caillou Lucas has gone back to the Middle East on an 18-month loan of his own. Uh, best of luck to both of those players, of course, Um A bunch of of B-team, U23, and youth players have been re-signed or have renewed their contracts through 2024, 2024, uh, this week, as apparently uh, as you can see, Benfica is um, stocking stocking the farm, if you will, getting ready for the next wave of of players. Um, Benfica women's football have made some splashes well, some splashes as well, signing Swedish international Julia Julia Spetsmark from uh, NWSL champion North Carolina Courage. That's right. Uh, the Swedish midfielder is 30 years old and has recently, Recently played at Manchester, or previously played at Manchester City, I should say. Big signing to uh, bolster Benfica women's uh, football's midfield. Also, earlier in the week, Benfica also signed for the women's football team American duo Alana O'Neill and Mimi Asom. Last weekend, the Lady Aguias routed Ovarens 6 0 to stay atop the Liga BPI with a perfect 13 wins from 13 matches, of course, for 39 points. Top of the table, perfect in the league this season. This coming Sunday, 26th of January, they travel to Torres Vedras to take on Torreense and begin the, their defense of the Portuguese Cup. Basketball is hosting Porto on Saturday. By the time you hear this, the game will probably have already taken place, but it'll be Saturday, January the 25th at home against Porto. Last Saturday, the two squads met in the League Cup semifinal with Benfica mounting a huge comeback and winning 119-111 after two overtimes in that semifinal. Benfica would go on to lose the final of that League Cup on Sunday, 83 81 to. Olivier but ba- bounced back brilliantly on Wednesday on the road in FIBA Europe Cup, beating the Belgian side uh, Spirou Charleroi 85-78. This coming Wednesday will be a pivotal game for, for the Hoopsters against German side Mady Beirut at the Pavilion Fidelidad. It is a FIBA Europe Cup, and it is... It is game number five, as the two sides are tied for first place in Group I, both sporting records of three and one. Uh, Meda, I or Medi, I should say, won the previous meeting, 96-78, um, handing side. aside their only loss so far in the tournament. Elsewhere in the modalidad of these are results against sporting here. Volleyball, skunks sporting, three straight sets 25, 19, 25, 14 and 25, 21. Was that also the referee's fault? Uh, Mr. Jaim morao Fredda, was that also the referee's fault I wonder? And while we're on the the, the topic of beating Sporting, as you heard, the U23s beat Spartan. Also, women's futsal winning 4-2 over, said Sporting Sporting Lisboa. I'm not going to call them Sporting Club Portugal. They're not that big. They're Sporting Lisboa in my book. Men's futsal wins 7-0 over Condozo, while men's hockey falls 6-4 to Akei Barcelos. Women's Hoops also falls. They're beaten in the quarterfinal of the Federation Cup, 84-79 to by Unión Sportiva. And around the Liga Nage now, it was around 17 last week. Here are the scores starting with the big day of the weekend, which was Friday, January the 17th. Football Club do Porto at home, one. Sporting Club Braga, two. Goal by Porto. Paulinho again. Paulinho coming up big. This, this guy is, is making a name for himself, and perhaps Fernando Santos is paying attention. Later on Friday, of course, the match we're going to talk about today Sporting nil, Benfica 2. Moving to Saturday's results, Sporting Aves 3, Portimonense nil. Big win for Nuno Manta as, as his team hope to fight their way out of the relegation zone. Portimonense moving closer to the relegation zone. Um, I should say, they. I believe they are the second-to-last team, but but getting deeper in that hole. Vitória Guimarães won, Santa Clara nil, Tondela won, Moureres won, and Petit, former Benfica uh, player, n- now manager, Petit makes his debut at as the manager of Bulinish Sad, Code City. So they win the Petit lottery this year, I had said, or the pool, I should say, who was going to be the first team in relegation trouble to sign Petit to try to save them from relegation. It was Bulinish Sad, and are not off to a good start as they lose at home 0-1 to Vitoria Stubal. We move to Sunday's results. Passos Ferreira nil. Gilvi sent nil. Fumeli come back late to draw even. 1-1 with Maritimo and Carlos Carvalhals. Riuav were 2-0 victors at home over Boavista. That, ladies and gentlemen, is the news. Some other sports news. Any Shout out, actually, to anybody that was watching UFC 246 this past week and I hadn't watched a UFC card in, in quite a while. Um, not not a bad night. Not a bad card. Um, good showing, of course, for the one and only Conor McGregor. Uh, good to see him back in the octagon and looking like the old Conor. Um, I enjoyed that for sure and of course i enjoyed monday night watching the celtics beat the lakers that's always a good thing Unfortunately for my guys, uh, LeBron and AD were not at their best that night allowing the Celtics to get a win. I know this isn't <laughs> this is not a UFC nor an NBA podcast, but I had to throw that in there. That's been part of my week. All right. On the other side now, we will be breaking down Sporting versus Benfica. All right, round 17 of the Liga Nage. do Don't move, we will be right back. Sobro
3: por isso uma vitória justa. Um, sobre o Rafa não já o ano passado tínhamos previsto isso o Rafa pode fazer esta esta função uh, um, quando se mencionou e vocês se recordam estava, estava a jogar nessa posição e tinha feito um gol tinha dado boas indicações por isso podemos contar com o Rafa naquela posição com o Rafa também poder jogar na esquerda ou na ou na direita como acabou por fazer depois o, o, na altura da substituição e o terceiro gol já estava com ala esquerdo esquerda e, e a sua entrada foi isso, foi nós sentirmos que o Sporting aumenta a sua, a sua pressão uh, médio santo à frente, podia ter mais espaço e o Rafa ali poder ter também espaço para, para receber, rodar entre linhas e, e vocês sabem, ele é muito forte uh, num contra um, quer pelos corredores quer pelo central e por isso fica também esse registro a felicidade de uh, o Rafa sair do banco e ser, ser o homem do jogo com os dois gols, mas acima de tudo
0: and that was the manager Bruno Lage there in the post-game press conference. He was asked about Rafa and Rafa's performance and his return, and he's and also asked specifically about the role he brought Rafa into the match in playing rather than wide on the on the wing where he normally plays, having him play more central in behind the striker um, as a. I guess, a false nine or as a 10, ten and a half kind of role. Um, Bruno Lage said this, or I should say the translation to what he said is this. In regards to Rafa, as far back as last year, we had already seen this, and this he's referring to, his capability to play in that position. Earlier this season, when he got injured, he was already functioning in that role, and he had already scored a goal and given good indications of his capability. That's why we can count on Rafa in that position as well as on the left or on the right. As you saw in the second goal, he had already made the transition to the left to play. uh, He used the word "alashkird" as a left left winger. um, Not really a winger, a left-sided player. um, Or he can also do it on the right as well. And his inclusion was all about that, he said. We knew Sporting were advancing their lines and they they were raising their pressure and applying higher pressure and we knew that would free up space and that Rafa would benefit from that added space that they would leave us, which would allow him to receive the ball in that space and he'd be free to move between their lines and use his ability in the one versus one, whether it be on the left, on the right, or in the center of the pitch and it is from that analysis we made that fortunately Rafa came off of the bench and scored two goals. But what was most important overall, the collective effort of everyone, um, on everyone's part to earn that result. That is, uh, that is the words of Bruno Lage, the manager after the match. And, um, I got to say, the manager also had himself a very good match, in my opinion. And as we go through the match, um, I'm sure you will, you will hear that come out of my, uh, of my opinion and my analysis. Um, so, we got just one thing left to do here. And without further ado... Let's get into the analysis. Let's get into the match. We are at Stadio José Vallad. It is now Friday, January the 17th of 2020. Round 17 of the Ligue NOS, 2019 2019-2020. Porto have just lost to Braga. And Benfica have a chance to open up the lead at the top of the table. The attendance at, at Stadio José Valada is 41,017. The referee is Hugo Miguel. The first referee's assistant is Bruno Zazuz. The second referee's assistant is Ricardo Santos. The fourth referee, Antonio Nobre. And. Our old friend, if you want to call him that, on the VAR, George Souza. And the assistant VAR, believe it or not, there is an assistant VAR, is Nunu Mansu. Sporting's 11 look like this in a 4-4-3, coached, of course, by Silas. The goalkeeper is Maximiliano. The 4 across the back, the right back is... Yeah, the right back is Ristovsky. The center back pairing is Thiago Ilori and Jeremy Mathieu. Marcos Acuna is the left back, three-man midfield. Wendell Dombia and Bruno Fernandes and a three-man attack. With Rafael Camacho, Macho Camacho re- moving into the starting lineup, I should say. Um, he partners with Luis Felipe and Yannick Bolassi. Mifika's 11 in their normal 4-4-2 under Bruno Lage. Odie in goal, as always, the right back was Andre Almeida. Center back pairing Ruben Dias and Ferro. Grimaldo was the left back. Pizzi, Weigel, Gabriel, and Franco Chervi are of the four in midfield. And I'm going to talk about that for just a moment here. I know there was a lot of disappointment from some of you out there a lot of you I'm gonna say um, I did notice from Twitter and from just you know talking to people and listening to other shows and other ana- other analysis a lot of surprise uh, that um, that Tarapt was not in the lineup you know I've heard some of you say that uh, And I've heard you upset about the fact that it's like he had been just uh, pushed aside for a 20 million uh, euro transfer that came in. But um, I never expected to see, I'm going to be honest, I did not expect Tarap to be in this starting lineup for this match. And I'm going to explain why. The Tarap and Gabriel team in midfield works against some of the teams Vivico was playing against, but um, neither one really was a holding midfielder, and in my opinion, neither one of them um, were really playing to their, their maximum potential because there was a little bit of uncertainty there about who would step, who would stay. Gabriel playing a lot more as a six, which is not his best position, and at times, it was tarap dropping all the way back between the two center backs to come get the ball. Also, not where he does the most of his damage. But um, also, defensively and positionally, that that would have spelled trouble, I think, f- facing a three-man midfield especially, um, where Benfica would be outnumbered there in the middle of the pitch, knowing, of course, that, that PZ is practically... The third man in the attacking line more than he is the fourth man of the defensive line. He does get back, but not like not like um in a traditional four four two, um and that's a matchup that I don't think Bruno Lage would have liked. I don't think anyone in the staff likes the idea of going three versus three against their three when they have when they have Bruno Fernandes there. Who, if you remember, last last spring in the Portuguese Cup semi final second leg at that stadium, the last time we were at Alvalade. Um, he had his way, and I think that the manager made the right move here, and I think the, the way that the match played out proved it. Um, introducing Julian Weigel as the numbers, true number six in his real position um, not only solidified the midfield and Took away the middle of the pitch from Sparthing's midfield. It also allowed Gabriel to to advance a bit. It allowed Gabriel to apply higher pressure on the ball. And it allowed Gabriel to get into a lot of duels. A lot of 50-50 battle. He did a lot of battling in this match, Gabriel did. okay, And some a lot of people were critical of Gabriel saying he didn't play well in this match. But if you go back and you watch it again, you're only watching... Um, The match from an attacking standpoint if that's what you feel because defensively uh, he, he just he was fighting he was battling all match. He brought something to Benfica no other player on the roster in my opinion can bring especially defensively that 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 pressure and that that just ability to be in there and to be around the ball and he just won so many balls. Okay, and um, I really feel that I thought all along this was going to be the pairing Having watched the two previous matches And having watched Weigel be paired with Gabriel And Weigel be paired with Tarapt um, Whether it had been against Abj Or against Riwab For me it was clear That your best bet going into Vallad Was Weigel and Gabriel I don't mean you know to piss off the 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 Terapt fans and a lot of people are on his are on his te- are on team Tarap now and it, that's all good all right the man has played well this season there's no denying that but i think this match called for this tandem in midfield and of course Franco Chery was always going to start in this match um he's crucial especially in a match like this in a hostile environment he is crucial for what he provides defensively as well again when you watch the match and you watch matches uh you know you don't just play in one direction it's not just about offense i know when bayfika Play so many of these matches, they're they're stronger than the other team, or so much stronger than the other team that they have the ball so much that we 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 do over. I think we overvalue sometimes the offensive side of the ball, the offensive side of the match. But when you go into a a, a derby against a competent team, okay, as much as I will I will say what I've said about Sporting and especially about their fan base, their eleven is competent. Okay, the eleven I just read to you is not 19 points worse than our 11, okay? I think their overall squad is 19 points worse than us, or, you know, at least 10 to 10 to, to 15 points worse than us. But in the first 11, that's not the case. And I think Bruno Lage s- selected his squad very intelligently for this game. He got coverage where he needed it. And, of course, the the there was questions about who would start up top. And, of course, the for, forward pairing was Chiquinho and Carlos Vinicius, my cousin Vinny, starting up front over the recently informed Harry Seferovic. Um, and my reasoning for that, I also think, and, and I expected that, was because of uh, Vinicius's more more physical um capabilities he's a he's a bigger player more capable of holding off defenders whereas Seferovic provides something different Seferovic provides you speed and forward movement and um a, a, he provides i think a skill set that for this match was better suited coming off of the bench when a goal was needed because had had you started with Seferovic and not gotten you know what you wanted um, out of the match, I think bringing on Karos Vinicius late on when you need a goal is less of a game changer than bringing on a faster, especially fresher, when the other team's defense is tired, um, a fresher Seferovic. And, again, another decision I think Bruno Lage uh, handled well. And, I, honestly, from my opinion, I know some of you are all over him about his His timing with substitutions and the delay I think in this match and for what the match called for he hit the hammer or he hit the nail on the head I think he he managed this match perfectly completely outclassing sealage in this match and um we'll get into the match now and, and get there eventually as the broadcast begun in the tunnel, and we see, of course, Sporting's uh, well-known equipment manager, Paulinho, uh, the kit man, uh, organizing the ball kids and greeting players from both teams, even. And um, I've said before, the sto- that guy's story is quite remarkable. If you want to know more about Paulinho, there's a video on YouTube from Sport TV. And um, if you just put in Sport TV, Paulinho, it comes up. Check it out. Uh, hear this guy's story, how he became Sporting's kit man. You know, rival club, a uh, club I don't care for, but the, this this guy seems like a great guy, and um and the club deserves some credit uh, for giving him a contract to life, which is what he has. He has a a contract for life to be the kit man for Sporting. Congrat. And um, I just uh. Every time I see him, he's got that smile on his face and for a moment I do put the rivalry aside and it's it's just great to see um it's good to see good people feeling good or at least appearing to feel good. And uh he has a dream job. Who wouldn't want to be your favorite team's kit man? Honestly, is that not the best job in the world? I think it would be phenomenal. Can you imagine being Benfica's kit man and just setting up the kits and setting up the players' boots and and traveling, and being at training every day with this team, being around these guys all the time, I think that's pretty damn awesome. Um, and as we move forward, in Ugo Miguel, the referee for the night, leads out the squads um, to the sound of Sparthing's anthem. And the fans and their, their TIFO and their green flags waving um, all in unison as they sing along. Uh, captain's Andre Almeida and Bruno Fernandes are shown in the center circle for the coin toss as we see Sporting win the toss you can tell because you see um because you see Bruno Bruno Lage pointing to which end uh, Bruno excuse me Bruno Fernandes pointing to which end Sporting want to defend it look, you could clearly see Andre Almeida calling either heads or tails and then Miguel turning to Bruno Fernandes and Bruno pointing to the end of that, that Sporting wanted to defend. Um, as we get kicked off, it is my cousin Vinny kicking off for Benfica passing it to Vigel to, to get the match started. As we hear the sound of 38,000, roughly, Sporting just singing Umundo Sabe Que, which is their their match song that they sing at the beginning of the match, which is, of course, their own words to Frank Sinatra's uh, classic song, My Way, which obviously ruins... Sinatra's My Way For Me um I like that song a lot but not so much anymore now that I've heard them sing uh, their version of it and in the first minute of play um it's the first minute is completely played in Sporting's end of the field as the Lions foul Gabriel. Before they even get a touch on the ball, they've already committed a foul. They're trying to set the tone for the match to let Benfica know, they're not just going to come in here and walk away with three points easily. Second minute. Chervy receives the ball from Ferru and carries across midfield. Sees a gap in Sporting's formation and he attacks with the dribble right between Wendel Wendel I should say, and Dumbia into the attacking third as the back four retreat. The Argentinian plays into space for my cousin Vinny, who beats Maximiliano. He dribbles him around to his left, but he loses his angle to shoot, so decides instead to Cut the ball back and play it on the ground to Chervi, who shoots for goal, but his effort is blocked by the chest of a sliding Tiago Ilori. Seconds later, it's Vinicius with the left-footed effort, but it's over the bar. Ilori is a a change in the normal 11 as he is replacing the suspended Sebastian Kowatish, the same way Macho Camacho, as I'm calling him. <laughs> Rafael Camacho is replacing uh, Bieto. Seventh minute, and Sparthing is trying to build out of the back. And so far, Benfica, with the high press, is not allowing them to do so. Not, in, uh, not allowing the host to develop any play out of the back as they start having to launch it forward as Benfica continue to control the, the territory through the early part of the match. And Sparting finally in the ninth minute get the ball to Bruno Fernandes. But he has swarmed quickly and has no choice but to send a hopeless long ball for Bolasi that ends up in Odi's hands. And that, been, that is Sparting essentially crossing midfield for the first time. 11th minute Sporting with the game's first corner, however. It's played short to Acuna. His cross blocked by Cervi. And Benfica are off to the races on a counterattack with Pizzi. But PZ takes too heavy of a touch, and Ilori is there to knock it out for a throw-in. And we're going to say Ilori's name a lot in this match. I thought the guy had himself quite a performance. If you could just remove the critical errors by the sparingly used Portuguese center back, the 26-year-old former Reading player and former Sporting Youth Academy, um, Portuguese Youth International in his younger days Um, but overall if you remove a couple key mistakes he had a very good uh, match for himself we're in the 12th minute and it's an ensuing throw in from the the breakout and on that throw Grimaldo throws to Ferru who squares to Ruben and he quickly switches it to Almeida on the flank Almeida plays a 1-2 with Chiquinho back to Almeida and again to Chiquinho. Now, way wide, he takes his space until Acuna finally commits and Chiquinho passes too Peasy in the corner of the penalty area. He takes a touch and he fakes a right-footed shot, cuts back, puts it on his left foot as he causes Matthew and Wendell to slide and overcommit. Now with a clear uh, sight of goal, Pezy, the league's top scorer, puts the ball on his left foot and fires, forcing a low left-handed save from Maxi. He makes a nice save. It's a great sequence of play, though, from the champions as Benfica start very, very well in this match. Th- 13th minute, however, Bruno Fernandes dropping very deep to receive the ball in his own defensive third on the right channel he picks out a run by Camacho with a long ball and Fehu misjudges this one and Camacho's right footed shot as a result beats Odie to his left the keeper is beaten to his left but fortunately the keeper is bailed out by the left upright as the ball ricochets off the post and the Eagles are lucky. It is still nil-nil. And this was a horrendous mistake by Ferru. As he has had a few of these in each of the last couple matches. And his concentration and his focus seems to be waning just a little bit. Perhaps um, it was re- it it's come to our attention since this match that Ferru has been carrying a knock as well recently. And Benfica's lack of depth at that position has forced him perhaps to play when he could rest. Or when he should rest, and um, perhaps that's affecting. He's second guessing himself and affecting his his decision making, as he has made some poor decisions as to when to challenge, when to contain, when to stab at a ball. And this was another uh, another example that almost cost Benfica dearly. Fourteenth minute, and Chiquinho checks in to m- checks down into midfield, and receives the, the vertical pass from Ruben. And he first-time passes it wide into space for Almeida, who delivers an early cross, hard-driven along the ground, right through the penalty spot for an on-running Vinicius. But it's just a step too far for the Brazilian. 20th minute it's Camacho trying to play backwards to Bruno Fernandes but he overhits his pass going by his teammate and into space in behind where Vinicius is running on and he allows my cousin Vinny to attack into space but Ilori does a good job to step to the ball and to delay Vinicius just enough to to wait for help as Bruno Fernandes is tracking hard and he comes back and pokes the ball away Vinicius does go down and as Spartan begin to counter-attack the other way their captain decides to stop playing as he stands close to Vinicius and begins yelling at him telling him to get up gesturing towards him and Begins complaining about something, and this is the side of Bruno Fernandes that really irritates uh, a lot of us. It irritates me, especially. Well, I shouldn't say especially, but it irritates me as well. Even not being a fan of this team, this is a very talented player who just can't get his head on straight, and um, this would be a reoccurring theme throughout this match, and about a month back, Jorge um who obviously has managed both of these uh, clubs, was on television in Portugal on CMTV, and he was asked a whole bunch of, of questions. He was on for about three hours on CMTV, and he was asked about Bruno Fernandes, and he says, out of this world talent, but until he learns to grow up and until he matures and he's not a young kid anymore, which is, is disappointing that he hasn't matured. Uh, the mister said, Mr. George's Um, until he stops doing things like this, stops arguing with his teammates, stops arguing with his coaches. He revealed that Bruno uh, brutal nuns, uh, He, he gave a lot of, of defiance. He, uh, to George's as manager. Um, in his talking to the referee, he says these things all hold him back, and that's why he's not at a big club yet. Is what George Jesus said, and he, and it is to a T. I mean, as we sit here now, early Saturday morning, early uh July twenty, uh, January twenty fifth. Excuse me. I wish it was July January twenty fifth. Uh, Bruno Fernandes is still a sporting player. Um, you know there there are flaws in his in his character i suppose or in the way in his professionalism it's not his football that's holding him back in most people's opinion it is his professionalism and his attitude and here is one of many examples in this game in this match that we're going to see of this and of course um his team ends up losing the ball as he's complaining the ball goes out of play as they actually just dribble it out of play could have used the support in the attack from their captain instead of him bickering with a Benfica player. Uh, 21st minute and Grimaldo is taking a Benfica corner out swinging from the left finds Gabriel at the near post forcing Maxi to make another save tipping this one over the bar to keep it nil nil and if you've noticed in the last couple of weeks Gabriel is starting to become a target on these on these set pieces he is getting his head to a lot uh, of balls in the area on these corner kicks and uh, deep set pieces this is a side of his game we haven't seen before and it is a very exciting side of his game. And if you've read Abola, uh today, he declared that he hopes to play for Portugal's national team. He basically put Fernando Santos on alert. And we know Fernando Santos has been watching him since before he was on Benfica. As soon as he learned that this player carries a Portuguese passport. 25th minute, Odie with a long ball into space for an on running under Almeida. He's chased by Acuna and fouled by the Argentine. International, and again, if you read my blog post last week on mrbenfica.com, um, where I previewed this match, I said this was going to be perhaps a leaky matchup in the game, and this was the first we saw of these two squaring off. I'm talking, of course, about Almeida and Acuna. 26th minute, Gabriel dispossesses Bruno Fernandes in midfield, and in frustration, the sporting captain gets two fistfuls of Gabriel's jersey. And the and he goes on for the ride with prompting the Brazilian to respond by swatting back with his left arm at Bruno. Connects very lightly on the Sporting midfielder, and he goes down like he had been hit in the gut by a Conor McGregor hook to the gut. As Bruno Lige, uh, Bruno Fernandes, excuse me, is on the ground, thriving in pain. Hugo Miguel shows the yellow card to Gabriel, but nothing to sport the Spartan captain um, for the original foul. And it was a clear professional foul that warranted a yellow card. Here is the play where the fool I mentioned earlier, and I shouldn't even be mentioning his name, but uh, Jaime Morão Ferreira um, from Grands Adeption from CMTV, uh, claims this should have been a red card for Gabriel. He barely gets him. He does not get, Gabriel does not hit him with an elbow to the face. He does not strike him in a manner that, that calls for a red card. His This this commentator's justification is that he stopped playing to to retaliate and that that should call for a, a red card. He had no problem, however, surprisingly enough, that there was no caution shown to Bruno Fernandes for this egregious foul um, as Bruno stays down for a while and when we see the replay it's even worse as we see Bruno actually tries to kick Gabriel first and we see that when he misses with the kick the Portugal international then grabs hold of the jersey with both hands and like he is saddling a horse and he brings you know he kills Gabriel's uh, momentum that way 30th minute, and it's a nice combo play down the right between Chiquinho, Almeida, and Weigl. It results in the ex dortmund man getting upended by Marquinhos Acuna, and the ex-Racing Argentina international goes into Ugu Miguel's book, a uh, yellow card to Marcos Acuna, and I was excited about this because I know how pivotal he is to Sporting, especially on the defensive side of the ball. He He's also their best deliverer of crosses, um, perhaps along with Bruno Fernandes. But you like to have, if you're Sporting, Bruno Fernandes in the mix, getting on the end of him. So Acuna is a very important player for them. And him going at, into the book um, on Pizzi's side of the field, no less, I thought gave Befica a, a little bit of an... An upper hand for um, for the remainder of the match, where they were going to be able to run at at this player who's so important to Sporting. It's the thirty first minute now. It's the ensuing uh, free kick near the touchline in. Uh, The Benfica attacking third. And it's delivered with an in-swinger by Grimaldo to the far post. And after a deflection, it falls to André Almeida, who can't redirect it at goal, unfortunately. And it goes wide to the outside of the near post. 33rd minute. Acuna now with the ball on the left, he delivers a perfect cross that lands on Camacho's head. Camacho's header is saved, however, by Odie in what was a very, very good textbook save. Odie coming across his goal line from right to left and with great reflexes is able to plant his feet. Get his position, and then able to correctly push off of his feet, able to dive back across his body to his right. He gets a good save and is able to keep it out. the re- the The rebound is cleared uh, by by uh, Feru, but it's only as far as uh, it's only as far back to Acuna actually, and he has another cross and this one is headed into the goal by Luis Felipe but he's clearly offside var verifies it the referee calls it and uh Sporting fans get their hopes up for a a split second but anybody watching even at real time in real time can see that Luis Felipe is offside 38th minute and Bruno Fernandes finally gets a hold of the ball um, in, a, in an area where he can do something. And he runs between Gabriel and Pizzi um, at pace, does well. Dishes r- to the right to Bolasi. And Bolasi has a shot, but it's right at Vlakudimush. And here comes uh, some more controversy um, against as the haters begin to pile on us as Pizzi appeared to possibly slide into Bruno after his pass to Bolasi. And... Um, it leaves the Sporting number eight, number eight irate that he was tackled from behind by his good friend PZ. and uh, he is all over uh, Ugo Miguel on this one. And again, it's that same old Bruno Fernandes sh- spiel that I'm just tired of seeing, quite honestly. And um, I wish they would sell him only, only to not have to see this anymore. However, I love the fact that they are stra- they are completely straddled with his salary and <laughs> that it is completely hurting their their payroll and they're unable to pay bills and they really need to sell them and they're not they've not successfully been able to yet the longer that this this stalling or this uh, standstill in the transfer market goes on the better as far as i'm concerned but um yeah he is all over the referee on this one and it looks like PZ may have caught him but it the referee clearly saw it in wave play on as Bellassi got the ball in advantage. Um, Ugo Miguel does not show the yellow card, though, however. But the commentator on Goal TV uh, did men- mention that Bruno Fernandes should hardly be the one complaining to the referee because he's been spared a yellow card already. He should already be in the book, so he really has little ground to argue on towards the referee. In the 41st minute, it is Ristovski now stamping on the metatarsal of, of Grimaldo, and and uh, no card this time for the North Macedonian, international Ristovski, as Ugo Miguel has seemed to be quite forgiving, to Sporting in this first half, and 42nd minute Bruno Fernandes having trouble getting touches on the ball in the middle of the park completely covered by Gabriel and Weigel. He's completely canceled out by that tandem in midfield. And that, in my opinion, is what they were there to do on this on the day. Um, Bruno now, if you go to the 42nd minute and watch, he's actually chilling out back at right back position, covering for Ristovsky as the, as the back moves forward up the pitch. And you can see that Bruno is becoming disinterested in this match as he's frustrated by the lack of space in the in the part of the field where he wants to operate and again I talk week after week about territory and how it's more important than uh, than possession and honestly this match was the perfect example of that whereas uh, possession may have gone 50 50 roughly maybe 52 48 but Benfica for the majority of the match controlled the part of the pitch where where the match was going to be played. If the other the other team possessed, yes, Sporting got possession, but more time than not, Benfica was controlling and deciding where Sporting were going to possess. And Ugo Miguel will blow his whistle for half time right on forty five minutes. Did not even go a minute past as half time. Uh, is called, and I have just a few first-half thoughts here before we take a little break. Um, These were my thoughts coming out of the first half is Benfica were the better side in the first 45 minutes. In mine and in most people's opinion, um, Benfica with sustained chances while Sporting had isolated chances. That's the way that I saw the first half. Almeida, I noted, is is winning the, the key matchup with Acuna as the Argentine had only had one cross in that first half and he was in the referee's book as well. I also noted Weigel and Gabriel completely taking away the middle of the park, making Bruno Fernandes play mostly as a spectator, um, getting touches only on the fringes of the pitch, near the touchline. Nowhere where he's going to really hurt uh, Benfica. Other than that one nice long ball he sent to Camacho, but that was due to an error from Fehu that even turned into a dangerous play it's not that I'm not giving this player credit I think Befica is doing that good of a job in defending and I did know Ferru with another terrible mistake in judgment allowing Camacho to nearly put uh, Sporting ahead as that was the best chance for either side in the first 45 Mathieu and Ilori in my opinion played a very uh, good first half in defense a lot of dangerous opportunities, and they were winners. They were ball winners all first half. And Sporting were the more vertical of the two teams, I said, as Benfica were controlling the territory and not letting our rivals build up any play out of the back, forcing them to make uh, lower percentage vertical passes. And, um, we, you know, Gabriel especially... Um, able to win a lot of those battles and as well, you know, Weigel and Ruben and Ferru providing coverage down in the middle. All right. So that takes us to halftime and we will be right back with the second half as I take a little break here. And, um, Yeah, we'll be right back with the second half on the other side. This is Mr. Benfica. Uh, Of course, I am the Mr. Mike Agustinu, And you can find me on Twitter at Mister, on Instagram at Mr. Benfica, and on Facebook, www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. Of course, also now at the new Mr. Welcome back to Mr. Benfica Episode 49 As we continue to break down This derby between Benfica and Sporting, it's nil-nil At halftime and as the Telecast returns we see Benfica players making their way out of the tunnel, and we see the maestro. We see Rui Costa giving some pointers to Pizzi there. Can you imagine being a player and having someone like that hanging around the squad? Someone like Rui Costa, with his wisdom and his knowledge, um, especially if you happen to play, you know, in his role as an attacking midfielder like Pizzi does. You know, just having someone who can, who can, you know, give you advice and someone who can give you pointers like Rui Costa, one of the greatest of all time, one of the great number 10s in the club's history, one of the best Portuguese players of all time, and one of the last true number 10s, unfortunately, um, as that position is kind of non-existent in our current game. Um, but he was, he was just such a skilled player, such an artist on the ball, um, as he's pointing some stuff out to Peasy there in the tunnel. And in the forty-fifth minute, Bruninho, I put down, is so desperate to get some touches on the ball after that disappointing first half. He he takes the kickoff to start the second half. And as soon as the ball is played and the whistle blows and the clock starts, that's when Juvileo, the supporters group and the ultras, the uh Torcida Leonino, whatever they're called, Torcida Verde, they um they start their little their little uh, public service announcement, if you will, as immediately a flare is thrown onto the pitch not far from their own keeper, Moxie. Not really sure. I know they're trying to protest something here, but it's really... Um, this game went around the world. This game was even on in English here in the United States. I was not aware of that until I listened to this weekend's... Or I should say this week's World Soccer Talk podcast where... The gaffer, Christopher Harris, the host, says he actually watched Benfica and Sporting, and he watched it in English on Goal TV. I didn't even realize they were uh, telecasting it in English. Um, I don't know if he hit the SAP button uh, from the Spanish broadcast, but he did say that it was poorly commentated by a single-man commentary, but he did talk about this, and... And this is a real poor example of Portuguese football to the world. And um, Sporting fans, if they're trying to send a message to their president, who they elected, um, I know they've had their trouble with the president that the fans have, but you know, racking up uh, a fine bill to the club, um, and while the whole world, their obsession with Benfica, they they're so obsessed with Benfica, and they they just they are bigger anti benfica than they are sporting i will go uh, i will stand by that statement those fr- those are i don't even know that those are fans they start by throwing a flare the flare gets removed then the smoke bomb comes and the match will restart and immediately after the match restarts i think one pass is, is made and the black smoke bomb is is ends up on the pitch um and that's sending off black smoke and this is this is really not to intimidate benfica which is which is interesting cuz they're not intimidating anybody maybe their own fans given the history of this group and the history of this fan base and how they've attacked their own players at their training ground i sure hope that security at all shit has been ramped up especially given that the results continue for sporting um they, they throw flares and smoke bombs. At the end, their own players are at. Why this was done at this point in the game, I don't know. And I don't speak for them, obviously. And I don't care to speak for them. I really don't care what Juve Leo has to say. Um, they're a disgrace to Portuguese football. And uh, he, once the, the black smoke bomb is removed, then a green one comes on. And then it's a barrage of flares. And it just rains flares for about you know, five minutes or so and they're cheering and they're singing and you know, um, you can see them jumping up and down. You can see how little this club has had to celebrate when this is what they resort to. And, um, they also have a very high, (laughs) high view of their own club. And, and I honestly don't know why they, they'll talk about a great history. Their great history was in the 1950s. Um, you know, and they talk about the laurels and the 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 values that the club was founded on. The club was founded by the aristocracy at the beginning of the last century. Okay, on land that belonged to the nobles, <laughs> land that was given to a noble, you know, a foreign noble at that, or of a foreign descent, the the Roquette family, and. Um by the king at that time, there hasn't been a king for for over a hundred years in Portugal, but uh, they think that they're built on some kind of, of 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 higher standing and in reality, they were just the first team to have money and they bought their way um through the early the early decades <laughs> and at a time when other teams were scrapping by especially ours, where ours was, was renting stadiums and renting fields, and they had their own land. They had green grass. We had dirt. They had hot water. We didn't. And to see what has become of this club, and it's just, it's, I'd be humiliated if this was my club. And I have a lot of, a lot of family. The majority of my blood relatives are Sporting Easters. Okay. With my direct line is not, but the majority of my blood relatives, my cousins, my uncles, my great-uncles, my second cousins, third cousins, fourth cousins are Sportingistas. If this was my club, I would be humiliated. I would be absolutely humiliated at this because this isn't even in celebration. Um, clearly, they didn't believe they were going to win the match because they used up all the fireworks in the at the end of the first half to hold up the match and I don't think they were even trying to get their team an advantage by stalling the match and killing the flow. Um but for several minutes this 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 game was upheld and finally the re- the match is restarted in the 51st minute and it's barely visible on television. I mean the smoke is on the screen and you can hardly see the play. You can basically see Benfica's bright red jerseys coming through the smoke and that's barely all you can see Um, in the 55th minute as visibility starts to improve Acuna has a set piece that he delivers into the area finds Elori but his header is right at Odie Elori again getting on the end of one 57th minute and Weigel attempts a long switch from left to right across the pitch he's looking for Almeida but Acuna Reads it. He breaks it up. The ball comes to Gabriel, however, who gets nailed viciously, absolutely vicious tackle from Luis Felipe. The Sporting striker lands with all six studs from the bottom of his boots on Gabriel's leg, a play that is a sending off in any other league in the world. And it's just a yellow in Portugal, just a yellow for Hugo Miguel, just a yellow for Sporting when you're in Stadio Alvalado, of course. And the former... Passers de Ferreira and and Ference man sees yellow and goes into Hugo Miguel's book. It's the 58th minute now and Chiquinho catches Bruno Fernandes on the top of his foot and it goes into the and he goes into the book as well. I should say yellow card too Chiquinho in the 58th. 63rd minute Sporting with the corner on their right side taken by Bruno out swinging into the area. The header cleared by Gabriel, but only as far as Dumbia, who plays to Wendel, who finds Mathieu, and the Frenchman has a nice touch to Bolasi, who shoots on goal, but it is saved nicely by Odi. The Greek international goalkeeper does well to tip the shot over the bar. And in the 66th minute, it's a good string of plays by Spartan, creating chances as they're growing an influence in this match. Benfica starting to lose, starting to lose control of that territory, starting to lose control of the rhythm and the tempo of the match. As um, Benfica, though, they are withstanding the pressure, however, um, and the chances go down the left with Camacho and Acuna. Uh, combining, and I talked about that side of the field in that matchup, and for for a bit there, Com- the team of Camacho and Acuna getting the best of Andre Almeida and and Pizzi. As, um, and PZ and, and Chervi also switching sides at this time, and I think Chervi was actually switched over to the right at this point to try to give some assistance to withstand this pressure a little bit. And in the 67, it's Bruno Fernandes with the ball again. Um... Again near the touchline, uh, a few paces past midfield, and he sends a a, a long, high, um, hopeful ball into the area. Acuna is called for a marginal foul on Odiseas as Odie comes out and picks it up, and the keeper stays down for treatment, um, perhaps cramping up or perhaps um, a little bit of professionalism here, or I should say. Pragmatism, um, pragmatism. As I think the goalkeeper showing a little bit of his veteran knowledge here, and he intelligently kills off some clock, and it does it does um, put a halt to some of the momentum that Sporting have been building. Benfica allowed to regroup while their keeper gets treatment for what may very well be a phony injury. Um, so I criticize Spartan uh, players, especially uh, Bruno Fernandes, for going down, thriving in pain. So I will say, I will admit that this looks like Odyssey. I don't think anything was wrong with him here. But uh, I think he knew exactly what he was doing. And it gets the fans going as well as um, Benfica now are defending the end of the stadium where the Benfica fans, the 3,000 brave, are are situated and we start hearing Benfica Amor de Minha Vida. And the life of the Sporting fans is a little bit deflated here with the the holdup in the match. And as the song is ringing out, the camera does show Bruno Lage giving instructions to Rafa as the 2016 European champion with Portugal. Prepares to return to league action for the first time since October the 28th. And when we finally get the match restarted, um, the li- we do see quickly that they have regrouped as the little stop in the action seems to be just what the doctor ordered for the Glorioso um, as they regain composure and we allow the away fans to get back into the match. It's not till the 74th minute though that Lige brings on the substitute. And again, this is where Lige is getting a lot of criticism from you guys. I see where he's coming from. He he's holding off on substitutions because he he's reading the way the game is going. And a lot of times as fans we're we're thinking about getting the goal and we're thinking about bringing on a player earlier to change something. But remember that when you change the dynamic and you you begin to risk towards a goal, you are also taking on risk at the other end like um and I think he's holding off on that risk because Benfica know at this moment, and Lige knows at this moment, Porto have lost. Okay, and perhaps in other games the criticism is is a bit more more just in in not um, substituting sooner, but in this one I can see where he's coming from, as he's. He knows Porto have dropped all three points. So even a point at this, at this time is going to add to Benfica's lead. And as much as you want to win, and we all want to win this game, you don't want to lose. And it's not being um, scared. It's not having a loser's mentality or small team mentality in holding off substitutions. It's not like he's parking the bus right now. He's just holding off and changing the dynamic because he knows the change that it's going to make when he comes in. And he's also giving... Giving Sporting a few more minutes, another five, ten minutes to tire, because you're bringing in a player with the speed of Rafa. The more the more fatigued the Sporting players are, the the worse their decision making will probably be. The harder time they're going to have keeping up with the speedy uh, Portuguese international. And I think Lige held off until the perfect moment, in my opinion, to make this substitution exactly when the game called for it. Um, as Benfica are slowly starting to get, to get their rhythm back. They're starting to get control back. They're winning the territory battle that I value so much. And it, now, as if you're sporting, it's in your mind, and you're starting to doubt, and whereas 10 minutes earlier, you were full of belief, and all of a sudden, you see the fastest player on either team come onto the pitch and you're 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 sucking wind. You know you are. Uh, you know you're bull. Bo- you're. Tiago Ilori or Matthew especially and now you got this speedy little player that's going to run at you and you you're you're playing further back on the pitch and now you're closer to your own goal and if you don't time your tackle right you're going to be called for a foul maybe you're carrying a yellow card like like Acuna, and you see this guy coming towards you now and you, and you know a headache is about to be unleashed on you So in the 74th minute, finally the substitution does come, and I think it's at the right time. Rafa replaces Chiquinho. Not a great match for Chiquinho, although I think uh, the work rate was there. He was a lot of times dropping deeper than we would have liked, and that really is why he's not been able to get into the box and to get into the area, into the attacking third to provide the support that uh, Carlos Vinicius needs. Carlos Vinicius has been playing on an island by himself. A lot of the reason for that is because Chiquinho has had to retreat deeper and deeper to help at times. And um, that's where he's getting the ball, unfortunately, is when he's got either his back to his partner or he's dropped so far back that he's he's in midfield. Um Sporting fans are completely silent right now, as 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 Rafa comes onto the pitch, and the territory where the match is being played shifts uh, back to Benfica's middle and attacking third, and Sporting are back on their heels, resorting to hopeful long balls. All right, teams are. The the teams are basically canceling each other out at the moment, and Bruno Lage will take that right now, as he knows Porto have lost, like I just said, and even a point in this in this situation is going to increase Benfica's lead. Um, so though he wants to win, and he will go for the win, he's going to be cautious about how he does it. And honestly, that is the way to approach it in this situation on the road at a rival. Um, I'm not going to say our biggest rival. We're their biggest rivals. I don't believe they're our biggest rival. But on the road in a hostile environment against a rival. Um, I think he managed this perfectly. Um, 79th minute and Sporting answers. Seelish counters with a substitution of his own. But it's a like for like. As he brings in Gonzalo Plata for Bolasi. 80th minute and Chertvi's cross is blocked. Out of bounds. By Mathieu, the ex-Barca back feels it should have been his throw. The referee's assistant says otherwise. So, in the 80th minute, we have a throw-in from Almeida to Vinicius, and Vinicius finds Rafa. And let's have a listen as to how this transpired. And that was the call of the goal, courtesy of Antenna. Ooh, that's the way it sounded around the world on your radios. Um, it was, like we said, Rafa finding finding Vinicius, or Vinicius finding Rafa, excuse me, and then Vinicius would loop around. Rafa would, let's, let's go to my notes and tell you exactly what happened again. So Rafa, um, the speedy attacker, lo- he loses his footing at first, with the ball, but he manages to back heel it um, to PZ, who then has it poked away by Dumbia as far as Vinicius, who is looping around um, after giving the ball to Rafa. And Vinicius, in a a moment of, of brilliance, I think, in um, as far as decision making is concerned, he tries, he knows um, that, bef- that Sporting are holding a hard line, so he tries to take the ball and to touch it through through the Sporting back line, and try to power his way through to get in on goal. He's not able to do that, however. Ilori swipes at the ball and pokes it away, but he pokes it right on to Rafa's right foot. And he calmly passes it into the far corner, out of Maxi's reach, into the goal. And Befica go ahead 1-0 at the Alvalade in the 80th minute. Rafa takes only 7 minutes to find the back of the net and Befica now go ahead in the derby. And now one of the most most uh, another moment of disgrace for Portuguese football. What was very clearly going on here and it was so obvious. Um and Antonio Bernardo on BTV said he 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 doesn't want to go on TV and start accusing someone like George Souza of this and he doesn't want to be involved in conspiracy theories but it makes him think well I have no problem coming on this platform here and accusing George Souza of this this is obviously what was happening for five minutes VAR reviews this goal uh, you know and Rafa is clearly on side okay that takes all of 10 seconds to see yeah it was only by 25 centimeters but it's easy to see you could see it in real time you slow it down and it's even easier to see that rafa was on side so that couldn't have been what they were looking at of course not because they were obviously rolling that film back first they're looking for a foul on Vinicius as he's trying to run through people um, As he's using his strength and the ball is stuck between his legs and there's bodies everywhere. And it does look for a moment like you're watching uh, U6 soccer. You're watching six year olds learning how to play with everybody in a bunch around the ball. But the video shows there's clearly no foul on anybody. And even if Rafa had been offside, which he was not. The ball comes to him by way of Thiago Ilori. So it comes from the defending team, putting him onside anyway. And I have to believe, because it's so obvious, that they're rolling this this video back and they're looking and they're analyzing. They're looking for any reason to take this goal back from Befica. For whatever reason, they're afraid of Befica scoring or they're afraid of Benfica getting away from Porto you know hashtag Porto call or maybe they're just afraid of the Portuguese league maybe the league has pressured the referees that they don't want this too big of a lead too big of a gap at this point in the season they want this thing to be close to make it more interesting to have more TV eyeballs who knows what's going on here but Clearly, they looked at this goal over and over and over again. And it's not because um, there was much there. So clearly, they were looking for anything they could to overturn this goal. Finally, 86th a minute uh, or 85th minute, there is nothing there. And I wrote this down. That this was a clear abuse of the use of the VAR technology. It's an abuse of the VAR technology. Clearly looking for anything possible to disallow the goal. Um, Finally, we get going again in the 86th, and it's a corner. And on this corner, it it is Ilori inadvertently stamping on Ruben Diaz's leg and the Portugal center back goes down in a heap of pain. Did not appear to be any intent um, from Ilori on this play. I think this was incidental contact or accidental contact. But anyhow, Benfica's center back is down in pain. And uh, Sparthing take advantage of the moment to bring on a sub. They bring on Pedro Menz, the U23 call-up. For Dumbia, and we start to see the difference between Benfica and the rest of the league in matches like this. Benfica go to the bench, and look at what they are able to bring onto the pitch off of the bench. Um, Benfica can can improve their team with subs at any time because they have players with different characteristics, different qualities. They have players on the bench as good as the players on the pitch. Sporting clearly doesn't have that luxury as they're going to a U23 player. And really all Sporting have are, are kids to bring in off the bench. But anyhow, they Silas tries his luck with Pedro Mendes. Um, As he replaces Dumbia, as we said in the 86th minute. 88 now. It's Bruno again from far away from Benfica's penalty area. He's not getting anywhere near the danger area. He is moving further and further back. And he is happy to just send in long, hopeful balls over the top. This one is headed straight up in the air by Ruben, which does cause a little bit of trouble. But Odie comes out strong, goes up with both hands, and catches it at, at the highest point possible. Um... Basically making it impossible for a sporting player to get ahead on it. And Odie comes down, secures the ball safely. And Benfica are out of trouble. Good goalkeeping here by Odie And you have to say, his improvement this year, I've said this before, but his improvement this year has been phenomenal as he continues to improve on his weaknesses. And he was already a phenomenal shot stopper. And... um I the I think the the sky is the limit for this keeper. He um we say week after week and we hear it said uh that he's not he's not Ederson and he's not he's not a block he's not Julio Cesar but you know what he's young and he may very well be on his way there. 90th minute now and we see the fourth referee putting up the placard As it is showing 10 minutes of stoppage time. Remember the stoppage for the flares. Remember the stoppage for the VAR. That's 10 minutes right there. 90th plus 2 in Sporting to the bench again. And now it is Colombian Christian Borja coming on for Rafael Camacho. Um... In the 90th plus 3, it's a nice combination play down the right between Pizzi, Rafa, and Almeida, culminating in Matthew fouling Pizzi as the center back loses his mind with that call. And the yellow card for descent is shown to Matthew. Grimaldo will cross on the free kick, but it is headed away by Pedro Minch. 90th plus 4 here, and Bruno far from the Far from the goal again. This time at the edge of the center circle, he tries another long ball over the top, as the middle the middle quarter is. he cannot get into the attacking third down the middle anywhere near Benfica's area, and it's one in the air again by Ruben, and he heads it to Gabriel, who hits Rafa on the transition, and the goal scorer is is. Picking up steam, but he is cut down by Wendell. And somehow, once again, no card to be shown by Hugo Miguel. Spartan get away with another professional foul that they're not penalized properly for. Ninetieth plus five and Bruno Lige will go to the bench. Um in a time wasting of sorts, but he's also looking for a handler of the ball. He's looking to get someone who can who can hold the ball here in the dying moments, and it is Adel Tarap. the uh, Morocco international, replaces Franco Cerri, who has another good performance. As the Argentinian comes off, um, Benfica fans in their corner of the stadium applauding. 2 minutes later 90 plus 7 Lige goes to the bench again. See Laj has saved these cards for late in the match here where he can continue if he start if he's losing momentum and and Sporting are gaining it. He can break it up with these substitutions and that's that's what's in his mind here as he manages this match. At least that's what I believe is in his mind as he saves these for so late. And imagine if he'd burned his substitutions earlier and you got 10 extra minutes of stoppage time. And someone picks up a knock. I think this is very good use of the substitutions. So, in the 90th plus 7, it's the substitution we see in just about every match. Seferovic for Vinicius. Seferovic bringing a bit of pace and and some fresh legs and the ability to hopefully be a target up front. And to keep the ball away from Benfica's end of the pitch. 90th plus eight and it's a Acuna with a pinpoint diagonal cross all the way across the pitch this was a beautiful ball and Mathieu attempts an overhead scissor kick but it's high and wide it's a very good attempt actually if he was on my team I would not have liked it because the probability of hitting that and then putting it on goal and scoring is so low I would have if this was my team i would have rather seen him head that back across goal or or bring it down and try to play somebody in front of goal uh to have a chance a higher percentage chance at getting a goal but he goes for the overhead cro- uh scissor kick connects on it but it's high and wide 90th plus 9 on the ensuing goal kick odi sees yellow for time wasting And it's funny because it didn't take very long. And here's a yellow card handed out so easily when they have stayed in the pocket for more grievous uh, offenses. As Grimaldo sends the ball high and deep. Okay, Yulori is pressured from behind by Rafa. And rather than heading the ball to his own goalkeeper who he's facing or heading it out of bounds towards the touchline, he heads it right back into open space behind him and behind Rafa, which, uh, unfortunately for him and fortunately for all of us, it's right where Seferovic is. And Seferovic uh, picks up the ball. The Swiss assassin waits for the split moment, allowing Rafa to get open in the box. Ilori is looking. Ilori leaves Rafa onside as the Swiss assassin delivers a perfect cross on to Rafa's stride, and I number 27 makes no mistake. Have a listen here as Rafa makes it 2-0. So, no chance for Maxi in goal there. Rafa nails it with the outside of his right foot and hammers it home. Checkmate. Benfica win the match there. That is going to close out the match. Rafa with the double as he hammers the nail in Sporting's coffin. The final whistle would come just moments later as peruana Maj is sung in Benfica's end as you heard it at the top of the episode there um that's where that recording came from that you heard me singing along to at the start of the episode so in closing in closing up this match i should say and wrapping it up here are my key takeaways all right so, Bruno Fernandes was closed down to perfection by Gabriel and Weigel. Okay? Not everybody sees what Weigel brings to this team. You have to watch the game, again, more than just going forward. Okay? Yes, you you might get a little more production going forward um, in the offensive realm with the Gabriel and Tarapte team. However, with in terms of positioning, in terms of facing one of the top players in your league and not letting him hurt you the way he has in the past. Figel was key um, playing the position to perfection. The holding midfielder is a position where um, <laughs> the better you are at it, really, the less your name comes up. And, I mean, he was he was phenomenal in this game, doing all of the little things. Yeah, they don't show up on the stat sheet. They don't show up. They don't even show up. When we go through the goal point ratings right now, I I have been a big fan of these ratings. But in this match, I disagree um, with a lot of the ratings, actually. Because, again, I know they're statistic-based, so there's no room in those ratings for those little things that cannot be measured. Um and Gabriel and Feigl in this game. I mean, if you were to look at the heat map, and I wish they had put the heat map of Bruno Fernandes on this, it would look like a donut. Okay, it would all be around the outside. It would be like a U shape. It would because in the middle of the park and in the in Benfica's defensive third, he could not get anywhere to be found. And a lot of that comes from the good play of this midfield pairing. Especially considering Weigel doesn't speak the language. Um, he communicates, you know, non-verbally, it seems, with his teammates. Um, just knowing where to be. And Gabriel playing off him so well. And Gabriel getting into battles, fighting. And being the oh, back to the Gabriel from last season. The Gabriel that uh, was a big difference maker. If he continues on this trajectory, I mean, there. Uh, this team can really, really make some noise um, in, in Europa League if they want to. And if, if the club wants to take it seriously and they want to put the best team on the field. And you know what? The bigger our lead in the league, if we can if we can continue to win in the league and through the Porto match, if we can go to the go and win and create a 10-point lead, which we have a little bit of advantage now with Porto taking this upcoming week off. Ah, not off, but their match will be played uh, later in the week because they're in the League Cup Final Four this week. We have a chance to open up a ten-point lead before they even take the pitch in Round 18 and put even more pressure on them. Okay, and when we go, if we can win that match, win these next three, and open up a you know ten to twelve-point lead, you know what? We can start. Really focusing on the Europa League. And we can make a run the way we did under JJ some years ago. Okay. So I am very excited about that possibility. This team is incredibly deep now. And, um, you know, it makes you wonder what happened to to Tino, though. Where does Florentino Luigi now fit in this squad? And there's rumors about a loan to AC Milan. They're interested. And, I mean... Tino needs to play, and right now he he's going to have a hard time finding playing time in this squad. And it's like uh, he went from being, you know, undeniable starter to he doesn't even make the bench anymore. He doesn't even make the squad, doesn't dress. He's closer to the B team right now than he is to the starting 11. So, I mean, that could change, obviously. Anything could happen. I mean, Tarap came back out of nowhere last season, and now he, he's just a – a vital part of this team, whether it's off the bench or starting. Tarapt has a clear role in this team. So I'm not sitting here saying that, oh, we've got the 11 set and we're going to go this way. No. Different games call for different lineups and for different combinations of players. And we have the capability. We have the the depth and the versatility to do this. Okay. Not a good game for, for Shikinu, But again, this is another guy that, uh, you know, Right now, I think that he's gonna step onto. He's gonna step back and be dropped to the bench um, this coming week against Pastors Ferreira. I think Rafa, if if healthy to play the full match, um, will will start in his place. But now with Chiquinho, that's another option that can go. He can play as a second forward. He can play on the right. He can play in center mid. You know, as a another option um for either you know add him to Gabriel and Tarapt basically the three of them can make the, can play that position he can provide coverage or backup for for Peasy so he's going to be important as well this isn't like um you know these players I don't think are going to disappear there is a lot of depth here and I think Lige can and should be able to utilize everybody in different games and in different ways um I also said uh, though he was still very good, Acuña was not nearly as dangerous in this match as he had been against Porto a few weeks back, and that's a well done to Andre Almeida. To Andre Almeida, excuse me, winning that battle, I think personally. And um, you know, once I saw he was going to be fit, I was less worried about this matchup. My real concern a week before the match, before uh, Almeida had had proved fit, was. Was if Tomás Savard was going to play in this in this role, I thought he could really get exposed by 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 Acuña and also by um, Bieto, who ended up getting suspended for the match. So there were a couple of things there that went Benfica's way, and I said the Vinicius also I put down deserves some credit on that first goal. If he doesn't power through that. And if he doesn't stay with the play, um, that ball never squirts out to Rafa to to go into the goal. Who knows? We might have finished with a nil-nil result. And I finally noted that Benfica's options off the bench are clearly the difference between these two squads, between these two rivals. And it's really the difference between Benfica and anybody else in Portugal as um, all of Sporting's options off the bench were U23 call-ups, essentially, or players that had really that are really not at the level of the Benfica players. Benfica bringing in Rafa Tarapt and Seferovic. That's just too much depth for anybody in Portugal. Um, even Porto does not have that kind of depth coming off the bench. They got Fabio Silva, and they got... They got uh, you know, basically... I mean, the, you can see that they lack the depth when guys like Tiquinho, they got a coming off the bench as well—but you got guys like Tiquinho, Suarjan, and Otavio starting. It's you know that shows that um, you know other guys just aren't at that level. Although Luis Diaz was supposed to be, you know, a, a crack. If you listen to a certain uh, Porto fan who who's well known on a certain. Uh, English uh, three-person uh podcast, um, a th- an English-American three of the talk, if you will. Uh, he said at the beginning of the season, Luis Diaz was the best player on Porto, and um, well now he he comes off the bench, uh, with the likes of, like I said, Fabio Silva and uh, Tomaj Tevš who's now on his way out going out on loan. So, because depth really superior to their key rivals in this league. All right. We are going to go now to the goal point ratings that I've already kind of told you. I don't necessarily agree with, but we'll start with Porto's, with Porto's, uh, sorry, with Sporting, not Porto, with Sporting's ratings. It is getting late. I apologize. It's 2.56 a.m. right now. On a Saturday morning, Friday night, whatever you want to call it. Um, And uh, Maxi in goal had a 5.0. Across the back, Rostovsky, 5.2. Ilori, 6.6. Despite his crucial, crucial mistakes. Like I said, I thought he was quite good in this game. Mathieu was a 5.3. Acuna, 4.6. Bolasi, 5.2. Wendell. 4.8 4.8 for the Brazil U23 International. He was almost non-existent. The, and here's where I'm starting to to uh, doubt these these ratings a little bit. They gave Bruno Fernandes a 6.2, and he really did nothing in this match other than send long balls. Again, he I guess maybe he, he had some of these vertical passes, and he hit some of the statistics, um, but... I didn't. He really was not a danger after that first long ball that he played in Camacho. Camacho only earning a five point four himself. Dumbia four point nine. There's some real low ratings there for Sporting. Um, Luis Felipe in attack um, was a four point seven. Off the bench, Plata also earned a four point seven, while Pidrims and Borja did not uh, play long enough to earn a rating. Now for Benfica. Odie in goal 7.0 solid performance. Andre Almeida only given a 5.5. Again, I disagree with that. I thought he was quite good and he he you can see that the two the attacking players on on his side uh for Sporting both had low ratings. I mean, that that's a, that's a compliment to Andre Almeida. Ruben Díaz with a 6.4. He was quite good. Ferru with a 5.4. Grimaldo 5.9. Chery gabriel with a solid 6.4 he like i said was really good in this game um especially on the defensive half of the uh, of of the game yeah he gave away some balls he made some some bad passes he also showed some fantastic skill at times and at other times you know he uh, he overdoes the long ball a little bit, but again, he that's his role in this team. He is the one that provides, along with Ruben Diaz, he's the one that provides that vertical pass that breaks the other team's lines down. Um, Weigel given a five point nine. I thought he was a little. I obviously thought he was better than that. You you hear me talk about him now for the third straight podcast, and I think. Um, his his ability and his, what he brings to the team does not reflect in stats but he it, it reflects in how the players around him are that much better and PZ only earning a 5.1 i i guess he had a couple of chances but not the best of ratings chiquinho with with the low rating on benfica with a 4.9 and carlos vinicius earning a 5.1 Rafa off the bench in 15 minutes earns a 7.6 and a man of the match uh performance. We go to the stats, shots, total shots 11 to 10 to Benfica. Uh shots on goal were four apiece. Shots in the area Sporting 7, Benfica 10. Passes, total passes uh, Sparting three hundred ninety nine passes, Benfica three hundred sixty five passes. Sporting with an efficiency of eighty five point two percent to Benfica's efficiency of eighty one point nine um, percent. Vertical pass efficiency, Benfica's. Is sorry, Sporting seventy point seven percent, but Benfica slightly more successful at seventy two point one percent. Despite making less passes, it seems like Benfica made more of their with their passes that they did have. And like I said, Benfica controlling the territory, and that's something that I always. Value very highly, and I always try to instill in my teams when I was coaching, is it's not about having the ball or not having the ball sometimes. Sometimes it's about where on the pitch this match is being played and where these battles are being fought. Um, Possession. Sporting wins the battle, 52-48, very slight. Each team was offside four times. Fouls committed. Sporting, 18, to Benfica's 11. Duels won. Benfica wins this duel battle 54 duels to 44. A big part of that is Gabriel. All right, and in corners Benfica with three corners, Sporting with six. Sporting with 14 crosses. That's because Bruno Bruno <laughs> Fernandes sent about six of them himself from long range that they call crosses to Benfica's seven. All right, let's now move along as we will go into the table and the fixtures. Let's go first to the fixtures for next week. Okay. As I pull them up right now, Liga, Naj, I should say, this coming week, um, as the round round 18 will be going on concurrently with the Final Four or the League Cup Final on Saturday. Um, So there are matches this week despite the Final Four. And let's look at it right here as I Click on the Primeira Liga and move ahead to fixtures. So, as we move forward, there are no matches on Saturday the 25th, of course, due to the the League Cup final, the, which will be played, of course, between Porto and Braga, a rematch from last week's league match. But uh, we will go to Sunday. So, Jan- Sunday, January the 26th is when the league... Matches will begin for round 18. It starts off with Belenes Sad hosting Portimonense, Family cow hosting Santa Clara. Tondela hosting Vitória Stuba while Benfica travel to Passage de Ferreira in the north. And I'm going to try to get a preview to this match up on Mr. Benfica on Saturday before the match so that everyone has a chance to take a look and see what's um, what we're going to be facing in Passage de Ferreira. And then later in the day, Sportivo de hosting Boavista and then on monday two games on monday you have vitória guimarães taking on Rioav and sporting hosting maritimo and then on tuesday porto hosting gil Vicente hopefully at that point they'll be 10 points behind hosting a team that beat them in the first uh, in the first go around back in the day the league opened gil Vicente beat porto at home and then on Wednesday, the final match of round 18, it's a minu darby. It's not the minu darby, but it's a minu darby as Moreira's play host to the te- the league's in-form side at the moment, Ruben Amorim's Sporting Club de Braga. Let's go to the table, and we have Benfica after 17 rounds. Top of the table, as you know, 48 points, 38, uh, I should say 36 points. Uh, Goal difference, plus 36, 16 wins, 1 defeat. Sport, uh, Porto, second, 41 points. family count, third, with 31 points. Fourth is Spartan with 29, and right on their heels is Braga with 27. Sixth is Vitoria Guimarães, edging Ave on goal difference, both with 25 points. Guimarães with a plus-7 goal difference, while Ave has a plus-3 In eighth, it is Gil Vicente with 22 points as they edge Vitadio Stubal on goal difference. Gil Vicente even at 17 goals for 17 against Vitadio Stubal, negative six on goal difference. Tenth place is Tondela with 20 points as they edge out Maritimo on goal difference. Also with 20 points. That is Maritimo in 11th. 12th place is Boavisto with 19 points. 13th is Moradins with 18. Santa Clara is 14th with 17. And then our opponents this week. Pasos out of the relegation zone as we said a few weeks ago. Now in 15th on 16 points. Boulin Sad One point above the line. They're one point above. Petit has his work cut out for him. They've got 15 points in 16th place. And Portimonis is 17th with 14 points. And slowly making their way back to the pack um, is They are They are 18th, but they're up to 9 points now. Only 6 points from potential safety. So there could be a race as the season goes, um, goes on. In those relegation spots, only eight points separate 18th and 14th. The league leaders, okay, in goals. PZ is still top of the league with 12 goals. Carlos Vinicius is still second with 10. Paulinho of Braga now is third with nine, while Brun Fernandes has eight. And then Anderson Silva, Zeluij, Me- Me- Mehrad Mohamadi. Fabio Martins and Sandro Lima all have a 7. In assists, we have here, it is Pizzi, a top of the league in this category as well with 8. He's one ahead of Bruno Fernandes and Tecatito Corona. Grimaldo has 6. He's 4th. Well, Alex Telsh, Mohamadi, and Musa Marega have a 5 apiece. And, guys, I think that's going to do it for this episode 49. All right. That was Sporting versus Benfica um, week or match day round 17, whatever you want to call it. These teams will meet again on the final day of the league, and they may very well meet in the Europa League sometime between now and then. Um Again, Benfica playing Sunday, and the kickoff will be at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time here in the United States. That is 9.30 a.m. Pacific, and it is 5.30 p.m. Uh, local time in Portugal. All right, so be sure to catch the match. Benfica traveling to Pasos Ferreira, of course. Uh, don't forget to check out MrBenfica.com uh, on Saturday or Sunday and catch the preview I'm going to Try to get up there in the next day or so. Also, uh, don't forget about the Twitter, of course. It's at Mister on Instagram. It's at Mr. Benfica on Facebook. www.facebook.com forward slash Mr. Benfica. All right, that's going to do it. Like I said, this is the Mr. signing off. Mike Agostinho saying have a good weekend, everybody. Enjoy your football. Enjoy benfica's match on sunday and let's keep this thing rolling let's keep marching towards u 38 let's do it hashtag pelo benfica because hashtag we are benfica hashtag dam u 38